You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to The Noble and Bruce Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Noble and Bruce Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Bruce Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today, we're going to talk about a team we haven't really talked about that much this season. Uh, we got Dan Greenberg in here to talk about the Boston freaking Celtics amidst all of this Tom Brady drama, which we may or may not touch on. Uh, but Dan, how you doing, man? You coming I'm in from the dungeon? Well. No, I'm doing well, but I can't imagine you guys haven't talked about the Celtics, at least not even to like revel in their underachievement, like every other media outlet on the planet. I They've can't just been so mediocre that it's like, it hasn't really warranted deep discussion. I'm a big Jason Tatum guy. Yeah. Um, also a big Jalen Brown too. guy who isn't right. Um, and last season I had high expectations for him. Obviously it didn't work out this season. I thought, okay, surely they'll bounce back. It hasn't really worked out, but they've won nine of their last 13. They're nine yep. of four of their last 13. They, yep. they might be hitting that stride. They might finally be starting to figure it out. There's rumors that Dennis Schroeder is expected to get traded. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. I don't about. know how much that of a rumor that is. That's basically just like the inevitable. I think. Oh, you think it's a guarantee. Let's start well, with yeah. that. It, but it's it has nothing to do with how he's played, right? I think for what they got him for, I think most Celtics fans will tell you he's, you know, I don't know if exceeded expectations is the right term, but he's been what we expected. But when they made that deal, it was like everybody involved knew, listen, we'll give you an opportunity to showcase. We know we're not going to be able to afford you in the summer because we can only offer you like six, $7 million. You use us, we'll use you, but chances are you're not going to finish the season in Boston. So, like, I think everyone has sort of been expecting there to be an eventual Dennis Schroeder trade. Uh, I just think now you're at the point where, you know, you'll take anything. If you can get a second round, because he's going to leave for nothing. Right. And that has been, you know, they've had a lot of that over the last few years of people leaving, not even getting second round picks or whatever in return. So um, I just, I don't know how heartbroken fans are going to be because his play has kind of, you know, tanked these last few weeks. But if you think about it on a human level, like the guy's about to have to pick up his life. He's got, you know, I'm sure family or whoever in Boston, they're going to have to move. Like, you know, it makes sense. Now when you also factor in, he's got like an Achilles issue. Like it makes sense that, you know, his play is tanked. The team is ready to move on. The fans are ready to move on, get something in return, and, and we'll see where we're at. So I think. Can I interest you in Eric Gordon? <laughs> Not at that price. <laughs> if he fit, let me tell you, if he, if he fit into the Fournier TPE, which is 17 million, you could. But I think he makes over he 18, makes, right? he makes 18 and a half. Yes, yeah, too big. So we would have to match, you would have to match salary. And the big thing, and the biggest question that I'm sure we'll get into is what the mandate was from ownership when it comes to the luxury tax, right? You have all these credible reporters saying, you know, Brad has to get under the tax, which on a surface level makes sense. If you're not going to be competing for a title, there's no sense to start that repeater tax clock, right? So that means, A, they're not going to add, if, if the mandate was, you have to get under the tax no matter what, even if you have an opportunity to add with the TPE money at the deadline, 
I think that's that's not great, right? But if it's get under the tax in the event that there are no other moves to be made, but if there are, you can go over. I think that's a little bit of a different story because how they've played these, you know, this last month, you don't want to tell your two best players we're punting on the season. We could have added this shooter that we know that we desperately need, but the owners won't pay the luxury tax if we go over. I mean, if that if a Buddy Heald or an Eric Gordon or whoever these Harrison Barnes, whatever it is, if that shooter that's expensive but can be brought in using TPE money or matching contracts, if that can happen, but it brings you over the tax, I want them to do it. It's not my money. I don't give a shit. I just want to maximize the roster as it stands now. You have to pay for that type of talent, in my opinion. So I look at it as it's pretty inept if to not have that decision made when you bring in Al Horford for that deal. You know, that's that's my thought. Al Horford from the beginning, you better have your mind made up. Unless yeah, you just you think can, he's actually worth that. I mean, there are ways. So the big thing for Al, right, is only 14 million of his of his deal next or next year is guaranteed. I forgot. Okay. That's so he makes 26, 14 of it is guaranteed, gotcha. but that's only going to help a team if they can, if he gets traded at the deadline, so then they can wave him in the off season. If you, there's something in this contract, right? Where if he isn't traded at the deadline, you don't get like, if he's traded, you're counting that full 26 million uh, number. It's something along mm-hmm. those lines. So the Celts can not decline his, his, or cannot guarantee his salary, right? But you also, in the back of your mind, say, well, if we're going to go big game hunting this summer and we need that $26 million number <clears throat> to help make money line up, you can understand holding on to him through the deadline. There are ways that they can get under the luxury tax and still have Al Horford. Like, if they... If they trade Schroeder and don't take back any money or they take back under what he makes, which is 5.9 million, they can do, you know, they can, you know, cut Bruno Fernandez. They can, you know, pay the thunder to take, you know, PJ Dozier and Bull Bull just to waive them. Like there are things you can do to, to get under that salary tax number. It's just the million dollar question because, you know, the fan in you says, Listen, they're playing better. It's so painfully obvious. They just need shooting help. Like, find the shooting help with the available tools you have. But then the flip side says, if you are going to start the repeater tax clock now, are you bringing in players that are going to make you a legitimate conference finals, finals contender, which is a gamble because you can't, like, then let's say you do that and you bring in a buddy, uh, a buddy healed or people who have multiple years left on their deal. Well, how are you going to reset that clock next year? So it's, yeah, it's honestly, I don't know what Brad is going to do. He has, you know, five different lanes he can go. It really just comes down to what that mandate ends up being from ownership. Is it get under no matter what, get under if you can, if nothing else comes up, and if it does, then we'll let you go over. We're, what, nine days away from, from figuring that out. Well, let's let's trickle out of um, GM talk and let's just talk basketball, right? So let's just talk in a world where we're not considering those things. Who are the right pieces? Who are the right fits realistically? Which circles me back to Eric Gordon. Full, full disclosure, I am a Rockets guy. Okay, so okay, I we got some Tice love. You know, huh? we got some Daniel Tice. Yeah, we got love. some Tice love. Although okay. Tice has been a little disappointing, but that's—I don't think that's been his fault. Um, you can have him back if if you want. But uh, <laughs> he makes a little bit too much too now. But <laughs> does he? I mean, he's only nine million. Yeah. Um, so I look Eric Gordon. Finding a destination for Eric Gordon is one of the priorities for the Rockets. But the flip side of that is that he's he's legitimately worth it. And as you look at you know, the bench of the Boston Celtics, there's no one of Eric Gordon's caliber. He could really, really bolster. um, To be honest, I don't think there's even anyone that like the Rockets would seem that it would be worth it, right? Like you could say if they're going under a rebuild, right? They want young cost-controlled talent. Well, if you're looking at that group, that's the Grant, the Romeo Langford, the Aaron Neesmith, the Peyton Pritchard, like 
which one of those you could say, okay, maybe they would want a high upside wing that, you know, they don't have to shell out big money for maybe with a larger role, you know, they would develop into the player that I think the Celtics think they could be. But I mean, which one of those names that I just read off I mean, are you going to say, okay, if we do like Jay Rich, Schroeder, and a young guy to make the money work, like the Rockets probably aren't going to do that. So it's tough. I think the Rockets would just want picks to, in general. And the only guy that I think the Celtics would have interest in, I think they would have a lot of interest in if it just makes sense for the long term play is Christian Wood. I'd love, yeah. I'd love him there next to the two. I mean, you still need a passing guard if, unless you're. Finally, believe it in Marcus Smart's last eight games of seven assists a game, but he's not. He's, is he ever going to be a true point guard? No. So it's like that's where you got to invest your your assets and your movement here. In my opinion, not a hundred million or whatever Christian Wood's going to fetch 80, 60, 80 million. Yeah, I just think for him, you're probably looking at what probably at least two first round picks for Wood. Well, I mean, that's what they would have hoped for, but at this point, um, I think I think. The, the realistic market is going to be a mid to late first and whatever you can get to match the salary, some high upside. Well, that's interesting to me because the big trip that we talked about is, is Schroeder, right? The big question I think we all want to know is, is there going to be a contender right now that needs guard help that is willing to overpay asset wise because of their rotation, right? Like you look at the cats, there are reports out that they're willing to float out their 2022 first round pick, which is going to be like 25 or 26, right? Low twenties or high twenties. I should say they obviously with Rubio gone for the year, Sexton probably gone. They signed Rondo, but like, you know, what is he in the grand scheme of things? Could they be someone that offers, you know, that late first round pick to bring in Dennis just for a guy, they know like, Hey, he can get you 15, 16, 17 points a night. He can, you know, if you want to rest Garland down the stretch, you know, maybe there's something. Well, there. interestingly enough, they have been rumored to be in the market for Eric Gordon. Gordon. So okay. they, are, they are dangling that pick for some type of, you know, guard. Win now and, asset, right? Yeah. So if, if the Celts are able to bring in an addition, and I think it's unlikely because like more likely he's going to bring you you know, one or two second round picks, but you well, never you got ma- to match the salary, right? So if, if we're talking, if we're talking the Cavs specifically, and we're talking Schroeder versus Gordon Schroeder, what does it what do make? 5.9, 6 million. They so can the, the Cavs are going to be shopping. Rubio's expiring, right? Right. So- they can absorb him into, you know, the uh, designated player injury, whatever they have, like they can bring in, um, they can bring in Dennis and give back a pick and that'll be like, done. So if the Celts then have an additional pick that isn't their own, why wouldn't you call and then offer that up for Eric Gordon? Because I think what Brad has sort of postured towards is heading into this summer, they want as much flexibility and assets as they can to go big game hunting, which means they're probably not going to be looking to unload any of their own first round picks, especially when they had to just unload one to get off the Kemba deal. Makes so sense. if they can use a first round pick from somebody else to then address, you know, a shooting need, fine by me, you know, like trade on Jay Rich and a young asset and that first round pick, make the money work and call it a deal. Speaking of the Rockets Celtics connection, that first round pick they offloaded to get Kemba or to, to, to offload Kemba turned into Alperin Shangun. So not only that. that, but yeah. the guy who we cut in training camp, Garrison Matthews, Garrison Matthews. we're like building the Rockets without even trying. There you go. Hey, we appreciate this. So it's crazy. Matthews would so, be so critical. I mean, um, unless Zach, Zach, is that a ball is life hoodie you're wearing? It is. It is. Did they get the second round to you? They did. They did. Feeling good. It's, it's comfy. Um, so last thing I want to touch on GM talk um, before we move on to the nuts and bolts of what's going on in the team, Dan, is the only move they're making you think if they make a move, Dennis Schroeder, or do you think Marcus Smart has a legitimate chance to be gone? Or not this, not, this not this trade deadline. Not this trade deadline. Okay. In the summer, it's a more real possibility because the ceiling's never going to be higher. There is, but you, but you know what? He's he's too important to what they do. Like you're only trading Marcus Smart if you're bringing in a unquestionable, without a doubt, upgrade. Right? Doesn't matter. That could be 
you know, an upgrade at the four and upgrade at the guard, like talent wise, it needs to be a no doubt about it. Like you're not going to trade your role player for a different set of role players. They're never going to do that. Fair, fair. So it's more likely in my opinion that once they get to the off season and they go big game hunting, you need his seven, his 16, 17, you need his money to make that all work. And if you're not going to trade, you know, Rob Tatum or Brown, like do the math, he's the next best guy to go. So, however, I do think he can be the point guard of the future. Like that's, that's the big contention. I think if you watch how he plays, Oh, I've always believed in it, but it's like, it's getting a little too late in the game for that. I think, I don't think so. I think if you look at how, when this is, this is the material I'm here for point guard, Marcus smart. Let's go. It's honestly, it's like, it's, it's the eye test. It's the metrics. The biggest thing with Marcus Smart is people don't like when he shoots, right? He shoots too much. People think he sucks, yada, yada. That has really only happened. So there have been tw- – I looked this up because I got into a Twitter fight like I do every day about this with some <laughs> The classic, I know this information because I had to defend myself. Yeah, because I just looked it up. That's exactly what it is, right? So there have been 23 games this year. He's taken 10 or more shots. The Celts are like, I don't know, 11 or 11 and 12, or they're right around 500 in those games. In 11 of those 23, one of Tatum and Brown did not play. So when both of those two are on the court, he basically doesn't shoot the ball. All he does is play defense. All he does is facilitate. So when you think of the type of guard that every Celtic fan say they want, they want someone who's pass first, who isn't going to be targeted on defense in the playoff series, and who, you know, facilitates and, and brings up all the players around him. Well, the Celts' offense goes from like a 111-0 rating when he's on the floor to a 104 rating when he's off. The offensive rating and the net rating of every important Celtic is better playing next to Marcus Smart than not. So I don't think it's so much of like he can't be a true facilitator point guard or he can't you know, be a, a primary ball handler. When all that is asked of him is to do those two things, he thrives. It's when Tatum or Brown are out and they need that secondary scorer, he gets himself it. into trouble because he'll make one three and he has irrational confidence. Yeah. It's just a matter. It's like a circumstance thing. I see. I, I'm with you and all that, but like Tatum and Brown's playmaking just has to improve 100%. so much more. And I mean, that's been the biggest thing ever because they're so low. And chemistry, I mean, ball movement, it's so much ISO play, all that. That's been their biggest issue. Uh, but I truly think, like, if their playmaking's never going to improve, I don't think Marcus Smart's as good of a passer or playmaker as they need him to be. And sure, you can bring in Al Horford, but they don't use him like that anymore. The, the, the million-dollar question is, if not him, then who? Right? So, like, yeah, oh, if the Suns could bring in Chris Paul, they'd be, it'd be perfect. But, like... That's not a re- that's not a Aiden realistic. Richard, man, that's that's the guy. <laughs> Listen, I'm with you, and that's why I think it's going to be really interesting once they unload Schroeder. Like Pritchard's minutes are going to go up. He's going to get a legit opportunity, and it sucks for him coming off what was a really solid rookie season. Like you know, Schroeder, nobody that's a fan of this team thought he was going to be a possibility at five million a year. Like. If that opportunity comes knocking, you take it. It just sucks that it virtually made Pritchard, you know, uh, a DNP coach's decision. But also, listen, if the team is going to underachieve and they're going to be around 500, like, you can't expect a rookie head coach to not over-rely on his veterans. Like, he needs wins. So they sort of lost the privilege of playing their developmental projects by having a pretty terrible record through 50 games. Like you can't have both. You, you either, you know, you want the luxury, like look at the heat, right? They have this luxury of playing their young guys and developing but because yeah. they win because they have a record that says, Hey, if we go, if we drop two or three, because we're playing our developmental guys with, you know, people out, then so be it. The Celtics, they can't do that because if they drop two or three games, they're going to be the 11th seed. That's just the reality. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, like I said earlier, Boston's won nine of 13, right? They're nine and four over their last 13. They are now, I think, 27 and 25. I think they're yep. ninth in the plan spot. But the East is so crazy that they're, what, five and a half games out of first. So if yeah. you do make the right moves and if things do start to click and if this recent performance is real, all of a sudden, Celts might be back. Now, here's the thing. In this recent stretch in the month of January, like I said, nine and four, some of it could, and, and I want your opinion on this because I trust you over mine um, when it comes to the Celtics, that is. <laughs> but uh, it, do you think any of it's fool's gold to any extent? Because there's only one quality win against Chicago. Um, yes. Well, they, Miami's still a quality win last Well, uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yes, they, they thumped the heat. But, um, I mean, well, Jimmy was out. Uh, I mean, let's look at their starting lineup for that game. I think it was the oh, backup. Max. Max Strews started. Max Strews dropped 27, which is hilarious. Yo, former, Celtics, former Celtics summer league legend, Max Strews, who they cut to no, bring no. in Taco Fall. So that's the, another the original, The original Garrison Matthews, who yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this, but over on Rockets Twitter, Garrison Matthews. Do you know what they call Garrison Matthews? <laughs> you're a Celtics fan, so you might get a kick out of this. They call him Gary Bird. Okay. I mean, listen, <laughs> could have used that in the preseason. I mean, he missed every single shot he took as a, as a Celtic in the preseason. And like, Dude, he's crazy. He will bomb them from like 28 feet. And just, it makes no sense. He was awesome at Washington. He's been awesome with you. He plays in what? Four or five preseason games. Shoot like 20% from three. It's Could the not. LeBron effect. Absolutely. <laughs> but so, so they, so they played the heat. Max Strews drops 27. Max Strews did that to the Rockets too. He, he yep. just torches the Rockets every time, every time we play them. Um, but I mean, what Bam started, Jimmy's out, Lowry's out, uh, yep. PJ Tucker's out. So yep. I guess my overall question is, is, is some of this to your, in your opinion, fool's gold? Um, like what are you, what have you seen that gives you confidence that this is a real thing building moving forward and that, that the Celts are on the rise? So there's no, obviously, you know, their month of January was by far their easiest slate of opponents. Um, there's no denying it. I mean, they played, I don't have the list in front of me, but I would imagine they played maybe of the 16 games. I bet you at least close to half were 500 or under. Teams. I'll pause you to run this down because the, the flip side is that some of the losses could be potentially concerning, right? Magic Spurs, Knicks, Knicks, Pacers, Pacers. That's funny. 76ers, Bulls, Pelicans, Hornets, Blazers. You lost to the Hornets and the Blazers. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see. Kings. Hawks, Pelicans, and then Heat. Yeah, so they're, so two of their losses to start the month were horrific. You had the 25-point blown loss to the Knicks, and then they lost by two at home to the Spurs. Jalen Brown misses a wide-open layup at the buzzer. So, like, that's bad. The Portland loss is concerning because it was another one of those fourth-quarter collapses where they didn't score for half a quarter. So I would put it at, like, 60-40%. Because the big thing to remember is while they were playing a lower caliber, you know, crop of teams for the most part, it was also the first prolonged stretch where we actually got to see the normal intended five, you know, play together. Because you look at that at their December, they played nothing but like the elite teams for an entire month. And they did that with the month started without Jalen Brown on a brutal West Coast trip. In the middle, they lost Jason Tatum to COVID. And then at the end, they didn't have Al and Grant and everybody where they were playing all these good teams. And they went six and nine. So it's like all they really did was just have these type of schedule that a lot of the other teams in the East had in their first 30, 40 games. So it's nice to see that like, hey, we get our guys back, our normal five. We can beat the Heat. We can compete with, you know, the Bulls and things of that nature. And they, I think they beat the Suns right before January started without Jason Tatum. So it's like, they are what an inconsistent team is. One night, they'll look incredible. The next night, 
they'll go half a quarter without scoring to blow an 11 point lead against a Blazers team. That's 10 games under 500. So you're encouraged because the signs and the metrics of their starting five is like, it's about as elite as you could ask for, but that's why tomorrow is so important. And that's why, you know, where they go post trade deadline is so important because, you know, it's hard to gauge what this team is with so many moving pieces out. But now that we have a prolonged stretch where they're actually sharing the court together, you see the signs of like, Hey, you add around the edges here or there, you bring in them a reliable shooter, you know, you get that, you know, consistent health and availability and guys aren't out due to protocols. I mean, the East is so jumbled. What team really like scares you, right? Like obviously the healthy Brooklyn team is going to be the odds on favorite. You have to give respect to Giannis as a defending champ, but like he's still Milwaukee, man. Right. Like they're going to be, but, but uh, I'm with them. Right. Cause like my, I mean, Miami, Miami's a solid team, but it just feels like people are in and out of the lineup. So, so you can catch them on any night where you can beat them. Same with right. Brooklyn. They've been inconsistent. Milwaukee's been pretty inconsistent. Philly's been playing really well, actually, lately. Um, but you never know. You could catch him on a night where Joel's out. Boston plays 10 games in February. Of those 10 games, three are against the Pistons. Three. So um, I think it's more. I think they play in four. Do they not play in four times? Next, I think I look. Maybe um, the fourth at, one. Maybe the fourth one is like the first week in, uh, in March or something like that. But The fourth one is March 11th. Yeah, so it's crazy. They haven't played the Pistons. They have. You got three against the Pistons. You play the Magic. You play the Pacers. Yeah. That's half. That's half of your games for the month yeah. of February. And, so, I mean, and I think they're they're in Brooklyn twice. So yeah. Katie's going to miss the first one. They won't have Kyrie for either of them. Yeah. So it's like even those games. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn's still Brooklyn, but you're not getting the normal you know, big three dragon. I mean, if you take care of business against the Pistons and if you take care of business against the magic and the Pacers, let's say you go four and one there. Let's say you split with Brooklyn five and two. And then let's say you lose to the Sixers, beat the Hawks. What? Six and three beat the Nuggets. You could go seven and three, maybe better. Yeah, I I think the big thing for them is they have to prove it, right? You they're at the point where, you know, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt because every team like, yeah, they should they should beat the Pistons four times. Well, guess what? I can guarantee you Sadiq Bay is going to have a game where he makes seven threes, and they'll probably lose that one. You know, like yeah. when you think they will zig, they zag. Like we all thought, oh, we're playing the, the Suns at home with no Jason Tatum. We're going to get killed. They blew them up by 25 points. Like, like they literally, they are the true definition of an inconsistent team until they show that they're not going to be inconsistent. And that's just what we haven't so- seen. They have. They have the opportunity to. Dan, why why is that then? Because I've always believed in this team. I've never was going to write him off at any point in this year as long as they got the two J's. Yeah. Um, I've always Zach, believed Zach never writes anyone off. This is the spiel. <laughs> That's I, was not, not, I knew it. <laughs> so I, I put it in a few, a few different areas. The first was there's no denying that Jason Tatum had one of the worst shooting starts to his, his career. And that kills them because of how they're built. Like they basically need him to not have these three for 18s, four for 21s. And if you look at all these games to start the year that they're losing, you know, by four, by five, by three, there are games where, you know, Tatum is going three of 18. So it's, I think that, that set them back. To That's start. why you need other shooters to back him up, right. which the team is right. lacking. And, I think the second part of that was obviously Jalen's injury hurt. He missed, you know, five, six, seven games, you know, right around. He missed that entire West Coast trip to start the month of December, which they went one and four on, which, you know, they had a couple losses there by four or five points. So that was tough. I think whatever strategy he may really used for like up until the last week or so, when they get in the fourth quarter, they switch everything up. They move. Tatum into the primary ball handler initiator. Everything screeches to a halt. They don't play with pace. You know, he, he got in this weird, you know, mindset where he only played lineups that had both Dennis and Marcus sharing the backcourt. So teams could just pack the paint. So there's a lot of like strategy related things that you can see he had to get his bearings with to figure out. So their late game execution was so bad. I mean, they're like six and seventeen in clutch games this year. It's it's horrific. 
So I think you started to see in the month of January, you know, we're not seeing Dennis and Marcus close games at the same time anymore. You know, they're getting better, especially last night or, you know, um, the, uh, the Pelicans game where, you know, we get into the fourth quarter, we're still going to run an offense through Marcus Smart. We're not going to just have the Tatum dribble it up, ISO, give them one high ball screen, and then that's it. That's the only thing they run. Everybody else stands around. They don't do anything. They just, they become so easy to defend in the biggest moments. And your best players rely on not the most efficient offensive approach. Like so much of Tatum, what makes Tatum and Brown so good is they can make tough shots. But on the same time, what does them in so often is they rely on those same tough contested jumpers in the biggest spots. Those are low probability, you know, attempts. So that has plagued them. And I just think, you know, lineup inconsistency. So you add all that up, it's like, okay, one week they'll be great. The next week they won't, they don't even look like a functioning basketball team. So I think it's like, you need your best players to come through in the big moments. You need the coach to realize he has to put his players in positions to succeed and they need to execute. If they do that, I think you'll see a little bit more of a consistent team. Are you coming around on Ime? My problem with Ime is, has mostly just been like, it's tough because he's a rookie head coach and like he obviously is getting his bearings and he hasn't had his guys, but like there are things we know do not work that he's like, he's so, he, he took a little bit too long to realize and accept that they don't work. And I, I just, it makes me, I mean, I think anybody that has coached 50 games in their career, anybody who says, oh, this guy sucks, you got to fire him, like, that's so stupid. Like, no, Brad no, won, like, 12 games in his, his first year. Like, you just, you have Rocket, to give Rockets fans time. and Silas, that was happening quite a bit. Yeah, and I just think, like, you know, like, circumstance matters. You know, there are things, you know, that he does that I think were, are, you know, were better than Brad. Right. Like I think Ime has been way better of stopping runs with timeouts. He's been really good with his ATOs. Like there are just things that are understandable. Like it took a while for guys to adapt to his switch everything defense to start the year. They have like the 25th ranked defense for the first five, you know, four or five weeks of the season. Now they have the fifth best defense in the league. So it's like, I don't, the jury's just still out. And I don't think we'll know for until we see, you know, what Brad's final roster is going to be because the roster next year is most likely going to look much different from in what we saw this year, which means you can basically throw out everything we've seen. Right. So like once they have their group, I want to see how he does, but you know, first for 50 games in, I mean, listen, it's not exactly his fault that Tatum is shooting three of 18. And I think if he was even at his, Averages this year, which are down, they're not 27 and 25. So, like, how much of it is guys just not making shots? How much of it is scheme? Like, that's just what we don't know. I mean, I think I mean, you have the fourth best rated defense in the league. So I think that's a huge, huge, huge positive. Definitely something to build on, especially with the trends that we've seen lately. Um, I, I just had a thought. I'm not, I promise I'm not trying to loop this all the way back to the Rockets every time, but you could really use a DJ Augustine too. A DJ Jesus Augustine, Christ. Eric Gordon combo, get a little point guard running off the bench, get some scoring, some solid wing depth and defense. But that's what's John Wall, maybe. Can I interest you? We'll take back Al's salary. Listen, Dan, I mean, Dan, Dan, can I interest you in some John Wall? I'm like sneaky a John Wall believer. Is that weird? I'm like, yeah, no. that's he's look, he can still play. I'll tell you. I I, think- I, Exactly. I, I think he gets a bad rap. I think oh, you know, he does for his contract for sure. Yeah, it's not his fault. You know, like it's not his fault. He's like, who, who's going to say no? Don't pay me all this money. I don't want. Yeah, all of money. course, right? Look, he can still play. And if he was on a team, honestly, it, it might sound crazy, but if he was on a team like the Celtics, where he's the third wheel and he's got two wings that he can make plays with, yep. that can roll with them, and he's got an athletic, um, you know, Robert Williams that can catch and finish well, and do all yeah. that kind of stuff he would actually excel and, and, and be a valuable piece. But when he's the number one guy on a team of projects like the Rockets, you're just going to get and inefficient basketball. I think there's something to be said about him not having miles on those legs. I mean, he yeah, hasn't played in like two years. So like he's what, 32, right? But really he's, he's probably like, 
Okay, so really he's probably like 28, 29 if you no, just seriously. go by like NBA miles. Yeah, no, seriously. And so like, you know, I, I know that the contract is ridiculous and obviously you're not going to want to give up premium assets on that gamble unless you're desperate. Um, but I do really think that if he was in a situation like Boston where he has, he can just kind of, yeah, he's 31 and a half where he could just kind of fade into the background and just be a point guard and then occasionally be that guy that he, that we've known him to be in the past. I think that would be a perfect scenario for him, but that's probably fantasy talk at this point. Yeah. And I mean, listen, he was really good in that wizard Celtic series. The only problem was him and Bill had to do everything. He had no legs by the fourth quarter. So, you know, all of his jumpers were short, but you know, he was, he was very much a problem in that series. It's just the greatest series ever. Let's be, yeah. you just feel for the guy that, you know, so snake bitten. It's brutal. So what do you think? A, what do you think has contributed to this uptrend? Mm-hmm. You know, give me some unsung heroes if you can. Well, and Jason then B, Tatum shooting forty five percent from three the last. That's six what I games. mean. Like, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's like, it's like forty percent their competition, right? They've had a very easy, easy schedule. I'd say like, you know, twenty five percent of it is Tatum and Brown playing like Tatum and Brown. Um, you probably have another. 25% of it being, you know, uh, the, the starting five being back together and playing, you know, Rob Williams is playing every night and he's playing big minutes and he's staying healthy, which is huge. And I'd say the last what five or 10% is they got Marcus smart back, you know, five games ago. Right. If you looked at the games, they missed the loss to the Hornets, the loss to the Blazers, their guards got destroyed defensively. You had Lamelo and Rozier and everybody on Charlotte going off. You had, you know, CJ and Anthony Simons in that Blazers game going off. They got Marcus Smart back on the 23rd. He's I mean, I, I looked at it today. Since the, over these last five games, he's had 268 defensive possessions and he's given up 29 points. That's wow. insane. He held Trey Young score. He held Mark, Trey Young Marcus score. Smart. Marcus Smart, 29 points on 268 possessions over five games. five games. Holy shit. That's insane. Well, that's a stat right there. That's insane. So let me ask you that. Mar- Marcus Smart's a dog. Uh, I think every team would love a Marcus Smart. So let me ask you this. If they stand pat at the deadline, mm-hmm. one of two scenarios, either A, they stand pat, or B, they dump Schroeder and they don't really get anything back. Yep. yep. What happens? So if they do, if they do nothing... And just like, it's not even they get off Schroeder and they bring back someone and still stay under the luxury tax, right? If they, if they do not add a single player to this roster and just sell off, I think that's Brad telling the team, like, listen, we're punting. Like, that's how I would see it because there are low cost shooters that you could bring in and still get under the luxury tax. That will help. You could get a Ben McLemore. There's, you don't, you, know, you don't want to Ben. You don't want to Ben Mclemore. I'll tell you that right now. Forty percent from three in thirty games. Why not? Turn, turn style on defense. I saw it in Houston, but I mean he can shoot. But, but you know what I mean. Like I just need someone that will make defenses respect him as a shooter to give. Space. I can offer one Malik Beasley. Okay, even so, great. You know, like so. That, who else, who are some other ones? I just was looking at this. Um, there's another, so I think their biggest needs are backup for and a shooter, right? So like someone like Jalen Smith in Phoenix, right? He makes 4 million under Schroeder's deal. He's leaving no matter what, because they, you know, they, uh, they didn't turn down his team offer. option, right? Yeah. But there's an issue with his contract and I'm not the cap guru. I'm the substantive yep. X's and O's guy, but I'm pretty sure if you trade for him, Yep. then you can't offer him any more than that. Correct. It's the right. same thing with Schroeder. You can only offer him like seven months. So basically you would be getting, you would be giving an asset that's leaving for nothing to bring in an asset that's leaving for nothing. But the asset that you're bringing in is a position of need, right? It prevents you from ever having to play Ennis Freedom again, which is great. That's, that's, that's what you need. And he can also kind of stretch the floor. And he was actually pretty good filling in for Aiton. So like, he had a nice stretch earlier this season, you know, like, Which, by the what? way, if we could pause, it's kind of crazy. It's just kind of crazy that a team like Phoenix wouldn't even extend the qualifying offer and just, so here's, you're not even doing it justice. They turned down his year three option. 
My God. So he was, he had a year three team option and a year four team option before even becoming a restricted free agent. They pulled it a year early and like now he's going to hit the market and go wherever he wants. Very weird move by them after making like nothing but brilliant moves for three straight years. You don't ever usually see a year three 21 year old get that option declined. That was well, that with Chris Paul, they're going all in and they weren't, they were doing the Celtic thing and not developing. So, I mean, I know, but even if, but even just the, just like to have depth on your roster and like, you know, he was, it's not like he was in his last year of his rookie deal and you didn't want to extend a qualifying offer and match something in restricted free agency. You did it in his year three season. So that's a little weird, but um, what was another shooter that I saw? Matt um, Thomas, Steve Mikhailu. <laughs> you uh, want to go deep? Uh, I can't think of it. None I of those are moving it, the needle. It's, it's not. It's, Portland's got some guys they need to get rid of, but. To be honest, I want them to go hard after Norm Powell. If, if the Blazers are going to blow it up, I want them to overpay for Norm Powell. What about a Robert Covington? I like him. I mean, he's. He's a good two way player, good three and D player. I just think his, he makes what, 13? It's 11. But I think the the bigger picture is if they don't bring in anything that addresses any of their needs, they're making it very clear that they're punting on the season. Well, I would think would be a mistake. But my question is because you're right. I mean, I think, I think you're right. If that's what they do, it's signaling we are punting. But my question is, do they continue uptrending or do they just kind of float around and, and fizzle out, you know, nine seed play in boom, or do we see the Celtics kind of hit maybe a five or a six? Not if they don't do anything. I think, you know, for what we've seen from Neesmith and, and Romeo and those guys, I don't think you can say confidently that, Oh, if you just unload some pieces and give them more minutes, you'll see that rise up the standings. I think to get that rise up the standings, you need to address your glaring issues. I mean, I saw after the Celtics shot 19% from three uh, against the Hawks in that loss, I saw someone throw out a stat. They have four games this season shooting under 20% from three, which is twice as much as the next closest team who are the Pistons. So, like, what are you doing? Like, it's so obvious. They And then a, a beat writer for the Celts put out they're 20 and nine when they shoot 34% from three, which is slightly under league average. Yeah. So basically Shooting. the gist is be slightly below average and you win 20 out of your 29 games. So like, how can Brad look at this roster and say, all I need to do is find a low cost shooter to get us to be slightly below average. Like, why wouldn't you do that? I just don't understand. It's not like you have to say, Oh, they're a a superstar piece away. Like that player doesn't exist. Literally all you have to do is find average shooting depth and it will make a world of difference. It just all comes back to Eric Gordon. I, 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 don't want to be fixated on this, but I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, he fit very well. Now, let me ask you something. I feel like is Eric Gordon, is he going to, is he going to Evan Fournier me where like he looks great shooting the ball everywhere else, but then he becomes, he gets to the Celtics, can't hit a jumper, can't hit a playoff three to save his life. Like, is that what I'm going to get? Look, if I bring in look, Eric Gordon? That's always on the table with any team just because rhythm and fit is always a weird thing. But man, I've seen that guy drill big shot after big shot against the Golden State Warriors when they had KD yeah. um, in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, you have, to, you have to remember, when Chris Paul went down, Houston's number two option was Eric Gordon. Um, yeah. and he filled in that role pretty well. He's solid, dude. He's as solid as they come. He's having a, uh, one of his best years shooting. He's like up at 42 43%. What's uh, his... Uh, what's he's a his solid health, playoff guy. How are his ankles? What's his health like? Has he he's, been... He's been solid. I mean, he yeah. has a couple rest nights here and there, but this season he's been solid. He got hurt last season, and they kind of shelved him because what was the point in you know yeah. overextending him on the, on the worst team in the league um but no i mean, he, I mean he's been solid and, and he's also very solid as a switchable perimeter defender and he's very underrated uh, there's a clip man i can find it and send it to you if you want um of him guarding nurkic the other night and nurkic couldn't move him on a, on the post on the well, he's, a big, he's like a thick he's, he's like thick, a big dude. he's like a solid six four six three just yeah. like 
pit bull bulldog. I mean, he's 32, but like, you're not bringing Eric Gordon for what your future. You're like, can you address us now? now? And here's the other thing. I don't know. You know, some people get his contract twisted um, and they think he's got two more years. He's got after this season, he's got one more season on the books, unless uh, one of two things happens, either unless he makes an all-star team, (laughs) which ain't going to happen. Uh, or the, unless the team he's on wins the NBA championship, then at that point, like whatever, I'll pay an extra year. Yeah, for at that point, like, hell yeah, it's worth it. So you're basically, you're basically renting Eric Gordon to expire next season, whom you could theoretically even flip if things don't yep. work out. So I, I, I think, think he Eric, will be a guy. I mean, he, it's probably, I hate to break it to you. He's probably not coming to Boston, but I know, I know he will be, he will be, I think someone where a contender will pay for him and he'll be, he'll have like, there will be an Eric Gordon playoff moment. You know what I mean? Like, I hope so, man. He deserves it, but that contracts tough to match for a lot of teams. It is. I just wish he made 17. I just wish like if it was 15, it'd be, there's no wiggle room on TPEs. There's no, No, in order to fit him in the the whole, the full salary, you can't combine them. You can't aggregate with players, right? So it's not like I could say TPE plus yeah. you can like, you can trade a player with a TPE, but his initial salary has to fit in that number, yeah. which is so annoying that like they had the Hayward hey, you can cuss on this podcast. Okay. I didn't know it's so <laughs> fucking annoying, right? Like they had the Hayward TPE, which was 28 million. So like they could have fit him in, in that situation, but the Fournier one is like 17.3 or something. So oh, he's yeah. just over it, man. Yeah. And you know what? The Celtics brass is probably still feeling the heat of that Fournier move. And they're, they're probably like, I don't know if we want to do something like this again, you know? So that's the thing, right? Like you, you want to do a situation where it's not an expiring deal, right? Like if they have at least one more guaranteed year, pull the trigger. I think the problem is, is like, if you do another Fournier deal and he leaves, you're just, recreating new TPE after new TPE after new sure. TPE. At some point, let's bring in some players that can actually stay. Hey, but guys like Brad Stevens, who I would put in the mold of like a Daryl Morey, they get off to that to that kind of stuff, to the, the generation of TPEs. They love it. Yeah. And I think that's what makes this so fascinating, right? Like for 20 years, we knew how Danny Ainge thought. We knew, you know, what his approach was going to be. Like there's no chance Ainge would ever sell off his own first round pick to unload Kemba's deal. Like he just wouldn't do it. We know that because he had all those picks and he wouldn't consolidate to move up in a draft. So like just the fact that Brad, like the second Brad took this job, he immediately undid things that you clearly knew he thought as the coach, he didn't like. So are you still trying to figure out Brad's brain? Yeah. Yeah. Like we just don't know, right? Like he took the job. He immediately got off the Kemba deal, which he didn't give out. He immediately got off the Tristan Thompson mid-level deal, which he didn't give out. You know, like he extended Marcus Smart. So obviously we know that he's in the pro Marcus camp. You know, I just think, you know, he's someone where he's so hard to get a read on because he gives you non-answers like every other coach in the league. So it's like his actions tell you he's willing to be aggressive. But this is the first trade deadline he's ever had as the boss. Jury's out. I need it. I need an active Brad. We need a yeah. I'm ready. I got the team ready to fire off. Like let's do it. (laughs) I just we just don't know, and we don't know how much wiggle room ownership is giving him. You know, like if he wants to pull a major deal, does he have full autonomy to you know to pull the trigger? We just we haven't been in that situation yet. All right, Dan. I got a couple quick hitters. Wrap up with this. Uh, but the first one is, I got to know, are you one of those people that are ready to move on from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum no, or is it just do everything God. else? All right, good. God, no. Um, listen, you'll have to rip them from my cold dead hands before I'm, I'm Hell yeah. absolutely not. All right. The other one is Jason Tatum. Where does he lie when you're starting a franchise? And first question I got to ask Roosh, do you know how old Jason Tatum is without looking up? Okay, hold on. How many years has he been in the Five, league? Five, four. Don't tell him, Dan. 20, 24. Not bad, not bad. He's 23, but most people still think he's 19, 19 yeah. or 27, <laughs> one of the two. Uh, but, yeah, it's his, crazy. The, the, only season was the, the conference finals, right, when uh, Kyrie was out. Yeah. The biggest criticism people have of Jason Tatum is that he's not 27 and in his prime. You know, like. Right. So, yeah, I mean, look, for the league, record, I think, I think anyone that is eager to break up Brown and Tatum 
doesn't I mean, know the I can't even describe how stupid that would be when you have. Well, that type they're of just talent. people that want that you know either want them on their team or they oh. don't want the Celtics to well, have. Let me ask you: are, are there like is there a contingent of Celtics fans that's like blow them up? Get them fans? Out. No media because yeah. that's what drives clicks and engagement. Right. Absolutely, Ooh. it's Man. so. Dan, my question is though. Jason Tatum, when you're starting a franchise with guys under 25 or shit, anybody in the league, because I know where he is on my pecking order. I got to know where he stands. Um, who are you taking him over when you're starting a franchise just from scratch right now? I mean, he's probably in the, on the totem pole. Probably in the top three. Like, you probably take Luca, right? You probably take yeah. Luca over him. Um, Luca and Giannis for sure. Oh, shit. Wait, isn't Giannis 26? I just, I mean, in general, but Giannis is, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. Then I have to, I didn't know Giannis was in the group. Yeah. So, like, you know, the Lucas, the Giannis's, the, you know. What about a 27 year old Embiid? Who are you taking there? To start from scratch right now? For the rest of their careers, you get. I mean, you got to take the age. You got to, you got to ride with Tatum and the younger player just because you'll have them for longer. And there's probably more. I mean, I mean, Embiid is such an unstoppable force, but like you got to think he has at most eight years left. What about hey, Evan Mobley? Because this, this just hit my brain, and we didn't talk about it. You kind—I mean, you—you you obviously said you're not going to be—you're not eager to get off of Jalen Brown. What would your thoughts be if a Jalen Brown Ben Simmons deal happened? Uh, I would hang up before they even finish the sentence. <laughs> and not think twice. Good. Yeah. No, I—I mean, listen if. If Ben Simmons was worth Jalen Brown, he would be traded already. Yeah. I Someone agree. else. I, when, I, when I saw that floating and I saw people trying to make it a thing, I was like. Yeah. It's, but that's not to say that Simmons doesn't have a skill set that would help the Celtics, but not if you're losing what Jalen Brown brings. You know, like, I completely agree. Yeah. So you said Evan Mobley. I don't know, man. I, I have like a weird love fest with Evan Mobley, dude. I think he's like. He could be like a Tim Duncan reincarnated for all we know. He is like, he's so good. Can we, can we not, can we, I don't not? know. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be a so homer tough. and say Tatum, but if you were going to make the case for Mobley, I could understand it. Right. I can, I can handle each way there. Which way would you go? Roosh Mobley or uh, Tatum? I go Tatum because I think that we'll see what Mobley becomes. I mean, Mobley could become the next AD, right? But yeah. I do think that having the superstar wing is like the prize possession in the NBA. You know, if the you- toughest part with all this stuff with all these young guys is like, I've seen Jason Tatum as a 19, 20 year old Going out in the biggest stages, right? Like we don't know that you could say, Oh, John Morant. Well, John Morant's never made a conference finals. Like we don't know. But what he didn't take do. it to Steph Curry last year in the playing game, man. That matters, you know, <laughs> but like, what makes Tatum and Brown so unique at their age is they've had the opportunity to be in those high pressure situations. So it's like that matters to me when I evaluate who they are as players. Like you could say, Oh, this player is better than Jalen Brown. Well, what does that player look like in a game five on the road in the conference? Even beyond that, man, when you just, if you're building a player proto, like a, prototype in a lab right you get a six eight wing that can handle three goals score three ball mid-range at the rim create for others defend like that that's it's too many boxes to check everything unless you're like a unicorn like a Giannis or something like that it's like those are at or like a a, um a, a Luca you know like there are so few true unicorns. If you have what looks like it might be a unicorn you just you go down with the ship or until they demand a trade I agree. Love it. No, that's a great way to end right there. Roosh, anything else? No, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time. It's fun. Oh, I, I, look, if Zach can attest to this. Um, I'm a big, big, big Tatum guy. Last season, I thought he was going to finish top five MVP. Obviously, it didn't happen. Um, but I'm a big believer in Tatum. Yeah. You know, I'm jealous. I wish the Rockets had a Tatum. Um, Listen, you might. Jalen Green can be good. You don't know. I don't I see the defense, though. But, we'll I mean. So, look, size Jason and length. Tatum and Brown were really Green, Jalen Green's yeah, their defense average, was good, like from the jump, which is yeah, Jalen Green's a very like average six four, maybe six five um, wingspan average. Like his body is average. Jason Tatum is a man, you know, six eight, yeah. just boom, ready well, to go. Both but remember, he came in, he was skinny as hell. Like he yeah. he built, he got in the program and he built that frame. So it's always you look at all those young guys on the Rockets, like, and we didn't even talk about him. 
No, love for my fellow Sun Devil, Josh Christopher. Love oh. that dude. Oh, dude, he's. Balling. I wanted the Celtics to draft him so bad. He's he is, He's a dog. He's yeah, that he dude is. where like he's got good size. He's not afraid. Love Josh Christopher. Yeah, man, right, he's, he's, he's been using his size to get to the basket. He's definitely not afraid. He's got a bag. His shot has been a little better than advertised, shooting about 33, 34% yeah. from three. He's just a hooper, man. I mean, listen, ASU does not have a lot of good basketball products, but him and Lou Dort, I was, I'm begging him. We're in the Lou second Dort round. Guy. I'm like, I know, like, Lou Dort is Marcus Smart, only with a better three-point shot, and they just, they just. Uh, I'd say more of a hey, hold up. How does it three-point shot isn't there yet. Smart's still got a better three-point shot. I don't know, man. Lou, Lou Dort. Dort. It's coming around. No, hey, look, look at Dort's percentages. He has those. No, it's, like it's like 37, 38% or something crazy. No, like. no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. It's no. low. No, 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 no. It's Is like it? 32. Yeah. Oh, I thought last year, maybe that was just a one-time thing last year. I thought they, it was. They both so he, can hit fire. They're both heat check guys. I mean, he does this thing. Dort, Lou Dort does this thing where he will go off and like, he'll have these nights where you're like, whoa, Lou Dort can shoot. I didn't know that. And then you go yeah. look at the numbers, 32 and a half percent on the all right. season. All right. So that is, so then he really is like Marcus Smart. He is, Smart. Yeah. but just yeah. with the more of a scoring first mindset when he wants to. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask though, how does a mass hole? Are you a mass hole? I am a mass hole. <laughs> Worcester, Massachusetts, born and bred. There you go. How does a mass hole get linked to Arizona State? So, here, so my my whole life, um, I always wanted to go to UConn. My dad went there. My uncle went there. I was obsessed with Kahid Alamine. Like growing up when UConn was one of those titles. Our producer, like, our producer for this show just started grad school at UConn. Shout out to. Uh, I mean. I was obsessed with them. And when I was 16 years old, uh, UConn was playing in the Sweet 16 in Phoenix. Is that the Josh Boone team? Uh, Emeka Okafor. I think Josh Boone Josh was, on, was on that team. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It was like him and Emeka Okafor. And uh, it was the year they won the whole thing, I believe. Yeah. This would have been, I mean, I was like a, I mean, I was 16. Had to be like maybe 05 or 06. Yeah. It was like, it was like 05, 06. Okay. And they were playing in Phoenix. And my parents, my whole life, had always, gone to Arizona, like growing up for vacation. My dad golfs, all this stuff. And for my birthday, he was like, listen, you know, UConn's playing out in Phoenix. Why don't we go for your 16th birthday? You have to start thinking about colleges. Let's just go walk around ASU. I was like, okay. I took one step on ASU's campus as a 16 year old boy. And I was like, this is it. This is, this is where I'm going. And it didn't hurt that it's like, you know, not the hardest school to get into. It's not exactly Harvard. Um, so right then and there, uh, I knew that was the only place I wanted to go. Uh, I ended up getting into ASU and UConn. Just said, screw it. Like, when am I ever going to have a chance to go out West? And it was the best decision I ever made. But Yo, yo. So I just looked it up while you were saying that. Uh, it was 2004. Okay. I didn't, they beat Georgia Tech in the final. I'm pretty sure that was the Jarrett Jack and BJ Elder Georgia Tech. So, so Jarrett Jack went to Worcester Academy for his postgrad year, which was uh, a high school where I lived. And we always used to see him. So I think that was part of it. I think they played like Missouri at one point. Um, Cause we, we watched, I think it was Missouri. Uh, they played in the, uh, the Cardinals football stadium, which was crazy. Cause it was like so empty. Um, and then trying to think. I remember uh, there, I there was a very prominent, uh, well, not very prominent, but there's a name we'd all remember that was on that UConn team that we uh, forgot to mention. I'm trying to think. Talking about Okafer? Like- Okafer? Yeah, Okafer was their, was their headliner, but there was another guy that went in the top, <laughs> I think, seven of the draft. Oh, Hashim the beat, no? No. Or was that before the beat? No. no. Who's their point guard? They had a, it was Okafer and, shoot, how are we blanking? Hey, he was, uh, he was Ben. Ben Gordon. Ben. I just said it. God damn <laughs> he was it. Ben- he I was going to say Eric Gordon. Honestly, it was like, I had no idea. Like I was going there to see UConn. And then, like I said, I took one step on ASU's campus and it was a wrap. Hey, Josh Boone was on that team. Charlie Villanueva. Yeah, dude, they were really good. Hilton Armstrong. Ooh, man, what yeah. a team. Yeah, yeah, that was 2004. So that was right after Mello, right after Syracuse okay. and Mello got it. Yep. So yeah, that was, that's how it all started. And like I said, best decision. So we're about the same age. Greeny, when did you graduate high school? Oh, five. Oh, five. Oh, five. Okay. Oh, seven. All right. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So if there's any, any high schoolers that listen to this, that are looking at colleges, uh, I highly recommend Arizona state. All right. Well, on that great great education for lack of a, you know, you might not learn 
academics, but you'll get a great education. We'll say that. For milk. Yeah. Great milk. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, well, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Had a blast talking about the Celts and talking about Arizona State and UConn. Uh, If you have anything to plug, man, please feel free. Uh, Yeah. Just, you know, everyone, please continue to click the blogs, barcelosports.com. Follow me on Twitter, still greeny. But uh, like I always say, I always love coming on. So anytime you guys want to chat, just hit me up. I got nothing but time. Dan, great seeing you again, man. And keep up the great work at Barstool. It's been fun watching you grow. So take it easy and enjoy the enjoy this wonderful, weird Celtic season. Hopefully, listen, I mean hopefully they try to get better for you. Listen, if as long, just win tomorrow. That's all I want. Just win tomorrow. <laughs> all right, later. Take care, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Damn sick.